Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Morning, everybody. How you doing? So I'm continuing the series, and today I want to talk about nourishing your soul. But before that, I felt like it was a great opportunity, and I, I was like, you know what? We're right before Thanksgiving. How convenient is that? And who's ready for Thanksgiving? Woo! You guys are some of them. I'm sure some of you are cooking. You're like, I don't know if I want to cook while others enjoy the cooking. What's your favorite part? What's, what is Thanksgiving known for? I know that it's known for, you know, being thankful. We say the right things when I say the right thing. Being thankful. We're thankful for everything that we're given. Yes. Awesome. But we're really thankful for that food, right? Uh-huh. Leftovers. Yes. And what's the main attraction, guys? What's the main attraction? The turkey. Yes. Me, myself, it's funny. I like uh, turkey breasts. And usually with chicken, I'm a dark meat gal, so I like the, the leg and the thigh. But with turkey, I don't know what it is. I don't really like the leg. I love the chicken breast with the gravy and some of the sides. I love the sides. Let's talk about the sides. We got mashed potatoes. I love that. Who loves mashed potatoes? Yes. Yes. So good. What else we got? Oh, cornbread. I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting you guys hungry. Forgive me. I know, I know. It's like right smack before lunch, and I'm out here showing you guys the good stuff. And we've got stuffing. I love stuffing. My mom, it's funny, growing up, I didn't know stuffing as like with mostly bread. I knew stuffing as like three varieties of meat. My mom would make this stuffing that had like pork meat, red meat, and I think it had some lamb sometimes, depending on what the butcher had in there. So it was Pretty much meat inside of turkey. It felt kind of wrong, but it was so good. It was so good. But I love stuffing either way. And then you have dessert, right? I mean, let's talk about dessert. Ooh, that's sweet potato pie. Now, I know some people are more of a pumpkin pie or a sweet potato pie kind of people. Who likes sweet potato pie? Okay. Who likes pumpkin pie? Wow, it's a lot more pumpkin pie people. Apple pie, yeah, that's a good one. Good stuff, good stuff. But definitely, I'm looking forward to Thursday. Alex says, I'm doing the whole thing. My husband, he says, I'm doing the whole thing. I'm doing the whole shebang. I'm like, okay, if you're up for it, I'm down to eat. You set the table, I'll show up. No, (laughs) got to help a little bit, right? So with the whole topic of nourishing your soul, I thought of Thanksgiving, but I, could, I kept thinking of, obviously, the meal, right? But when it comes to God, I definitely felt like this theme of family meals was something that just kept recurring in my mind. I, I kept thinking of how holidays and gatherings are pretty much centered around meals, nourishment, sustenance. There's that theme um, that is holding steady while I think of it that, about nourishing your soul. And I remember... All of the verses, all of the instances in the Bible that Jesus refers 
to drinking or eating or simply just gathering as a meal. I'll just name some of them. We know some, some obvious one called the Last Supper, right? We have Jesus with the Last Supper with his disciples, the people he's been sharing life with for the last life and ministry for the last three years. And then there's when Jesus makes a meal for his disciples on the shore after his resurrection, right? He come, Jesus has died, and the disciples were out at, at, uh, trying to fish, and Jesus is on the shore. We'll actually go into that later. There's also when Jesus fed the 5,000, right? He multiplied the loaves and the fishes for the people. And then you have the obvious verses, like, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's in John 4, 14. And then we have John 6, 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never thirst. We even have Jesus, like we talked about last week. We had Sergio up here talking about temptation, and he used the verse, um, the instance of when Jesus was tempted in the desert. And what was the first thing that the enemy tried to do with him? He tried to tempt him to make breads of loaves out of, uh, loaves of bread out of the stones, Right? And what does Jesus reply to him? He actually uses the word. That word is from Deuteronomy. And he says, it is written, men shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's Matthew 4, 4. You're the bomb.com. Thank you. But I'm going to jump back to 4, 14, John 4, 14. It says, whoever drinks the water I give them, I will never... they will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That comes from the story of the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan woman, and she's coming out to get water in the middle of the day because this woman was not a Jewish woman. This woman was probably known as a woman of sin because she's had multiple husbands. And so she has to go out in the middle of the day when it's scorching hot. She's talking, to, she's talking to Jesus. Well, Jesus talks to her. He says, you know, woman, will you give me, will you give me some of this water? And she says, do you know who you're talking to? I'm a Samaritan woman. And he tells her, you're right, I have water that's living. But something that he says to her is, you will thirst no more when you drink this living water. He's offered her living water. He, his salvation, his Holy Spirit. Once we take part in, in that, there isn't more to do, okay? There's no need to keep throwing your bucket back in a well, pulling up the heavy weight and drawing the bucket out with your own weight. The work is done. But you feel parched sometimes. That's normal. Because whenever I read that, I always felt like, Did I do something wrong? Because to be honest with you, sometimes I just need a little bit more from that well. But I wanted to encourage you guys. I wanted to get that out of the point is that that the work is done and that God, that sometimes you are parched, but that your salvation does not rely on you working to get the water. 
Your salvation does not rely on you really technically nourishing yourself. This is just a reminder for you who who are out there, who aren't out of God's reach. Maybe you feel like you are out of God's grace because you haven't spent time with him. Sometimes I feel like that. I get down on myself thinking, man, if I were to get zapped up to heaven right now, I probably would have a bunch of demerits because I haven't had any, any alone time with God. But the truth is that is separate from your salvation. Your salvation is yours if you have, have accepted Christ in your heart. So I wanted to encourage you today because maybe some of you are feeling that because you haven't spent time, because you haven't read the word that the pastor has set up on, said on stage, ooh, look into this word. Maybe you feel like, man, I don't do any of that, but I just want to let you know, if you have confessed with your mouth, then you are saved. Then you have salvation. Then you have grace. So live under that. But sometimes we are parched. I feel like nourishing your soul is really about allowing God to nourish you. There are so many self-help books out there. And there is so so much emphasis on me time. So many times you hear that, right? Oh, it's you got to have some me time. I need to get away and have me time. I need to do what I want to do. I need to get my nails done. I need to go shopping. I need to do this. And that's my perspective. But as a man, maybe I need to go out. I need to go to a sports bar. I need to have a beer or something like that. We hear that a lot. But what I'm talking about today, in reality, is about readying a space for God to fill you up. In Matthew 5, 6, we have read that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. But I want to go into the message, and it says, you're blessed. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. When I read that in the context of this message, I see that this is an invitation to set the table, to set the table for you and Jesus to share a meal. I feel like as if Jesus is saying to me in that message, in that verse, you bring your hunger and thirst and I'll provide the nourishment. And that's what I love about God. It's all about communion. It's all about being one with him. It's about setting the space for him to do his work, not for you to do your work. That was already done. When you're hungry, your tummy rumbles. And it's not, it's not an easy feat to ignore those pains. And I'm sorry I set you up because I showed you all those foods. And maybe right now that's you. And I'm, you know what? Don't worry. Hang in there. We're almost there. But we don't live on bread alone. Remember that. I know we need to... We need to get up a fix for a fix something. We can fix something for ourselves when we're hungry. As adults, we know what needs to get done, right? That's without being said. As babies, we need to rely on somebody to nourish ourselves. We're all on different levels. Some of us adults, some of us babies. We relied on our guardians to feed us when we're babies. And how are we fed? With milk. Milk goes down. Easy. That's an, I think of my, my daughter, my youngest, and, when she, and when, she was, when she was a baby, which was not too far, she would have milk, and that was very easy to fill her up. Now she's eating. 
And she smacks the spoon, and she doesn't want it. And she has her own way. She has her own ideas. And now it's getting harder. But the milk is easy. And it made me think of 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3. And it says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know, much like our, in our faith, we begin this walk, we are skipping along full bellies on cloud nine with God. As, as we mature in the Lord, new challenges arise, and we find ourselves shaken by events. Suddenly, we're feeling a little rumbly and not tumbly, as Pooh Bear would say. Spiritually, it's time for a fill, for a snack, or, or even a whole meal. Where do you go? Where does your mind and heart go to get filled? In Isaiah 55, 1 through 3, I'll read you the message versions. It says, Hey there, all who are thirsty, come to the water. Are you penniless? Come anyway. Buy and eat. Come, buy your drinks. Buy wine and milk. Buy without money. Everything is free. Why do you spend your money on junk food, your hard-earned cash on cotton candy? Listen to me. Listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourselves with only the finest. Pay attention. Come close now. Listen carefully to my life-giving, my life-nourishing words. See, oftentimes, we neglect our soul by feeding ourselves with things that aren't healthy. We are actually allowing others to eclipse God. We're creating idols that we think is nourishing our heart, our minds, our souls. In the sense that we're using things that are not God to fill our tanks, unhealthy relationships. Maybe it's food, spending money or shopping. Even social media can fill that void sometimes for a small moment. Television keeps things off your mind, or drinking and drugs, maybe even careers. You're so busy climbing the ladder, you get validation from that, or even perfectionism. You pride yourself in doing everything to the T, making sure everything is, looks good. But I want to go, I want to go into John 6, 26 through 27. And the context is, and I'm going back to Jesus feeding the 5,000. It said, Jesus answered them and said, this is after he he has given them, he has fed them, multiplied, done a miracle, done something that they have never seen before, that I've never seen before in my life. He says to them, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, Not because you saw the signs, because of what I just did, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. See, like, when I think of this, when I read this, I see that it wasn't just about what they, what they ate, what they saw. It's this, what, that God has actually 
nourish them. It was as if that, not just because of this miracle that we saw, those are great, but it's as if God knew that, oh, that's great. It's an exterior thing, but Jesus went and fed them. He filled their bellies, and that's what they're going to remember. You know, I think of, and even sometimes he doesn't, he has, he says to us to not lose focus and to not think about which perishes. And even going back to, to Isaiah, something that I found so amazing and just preparing for this message, friends, I, I, I transparent to be transparent with you. This was a message that I needed for myself because it has been such an interesting season for me. But there's a part in that verse there, and there's like little signs, little hints. And, and it's funny, and I find it very poetic that God would use this message about nourishing your soul to nourish my soul. Because throughout this whole thing, every verse that came to mind, every verse that showed up had something that was strictly for me. I just finished talking to my husband about this and saying, sometimes we hang on to all those things that I said. And we hang on to the shopping or to the social media or to the unhealthy relationships. And it's like cotton candy, really, at the end of the day. That's what I said to him. Cotton candy looks like it's, it's fluff. And you touch it and you think you're going to get full with it, but it just dissolves in your mouth. It becomes nothing. Just like so much of these things in our lives. They feel like empty promises. And the fact that this verse said, why do you spend your money on junk food, your hard-earned cash on cotton candy? That was exactly what I had just been saying, and here's the message telling me that. That sometimes even myself, you know what, I think I'll I'll feel better if, uh, you know, I buy myself a a pair of new shoes. But really, at the end of the day, it's cotton candy. That doesn't last because my new pair of shoes is not going to walk me into heaven. Because my new pair of shoes are not going to help me stand before God because really I'll just fall on my face. What, what is your cotton candy? We neglect to keep our souls healthy just as we do our mental and our physical health. If we do that, we begin to see the effects of the neglect. We'll see it in so many different forms. We'll start to see that fear can take over our our lives. You begin to see all the enemy's lies. They become your truth, and they they become the truth, and they paralyze you. And then you don't want to risk anything. You don't want to take a chance. You don't want to step out. And you might hold back from getting involved because you've been believing some lie that was fed to you because of fear. You haven't nourished your soul. You've let it all build up. And now fear is really the one that is clouding your judgment, is that it's taking control. And now you are believing every lie. Been there, done that. Maybe it's keeping you from getting to the next level with God. Maybe there's a new adventure for you, but you are so stuck on fear. Maybe it's sorrow. Something has happened in your life and you're just full of sorrow and you can't seem to let go of it. Or despair, just meaning hopelessness. You have no hope. Maybe you've been surrounded 
you have had despair surround you, something has happened in your life, in the moments that you, you should be nourishing your soul, unfortunately, you've gotten so caught up in your sorrow and your despair. Or even anger. There are plenty of things that can get us angered. I mean, just turn on the news. Or drive in New Jersey. For sure. That can get me angry. <laughs> but all of these things can be made worse. They're heightened when we haven't taken the time to go to the well or to sit at the table with Jesus. I know I can can relate to this personally. How many times have I caught myself in the midst of my anger wondering why the situation is getting me so worked up? Why am I so angry? And I can truly say it's because I haven't shared a meal with Jesus. I always look back to that. I don't know why that's always stuck to me. If I react out of character, if I react a little bit more angry, if I'm a little more frustrated, I realize, man, I haven't sat down and had a meal with Jesus. I haven't sat at his feet. I haven't drank from his cup. Or even in my sorrow. In reality, it's been a really hard time, and sorrow has really been hard for me. Personally, I just want to get um, truthful with you guys. I lost a close friend recently, and that turns things on its head, you know? You got questions. Takes you to a dark place. Give me a second. He's gracious enough to set a table in the middle of your mess. You just have to be hungry. And this is where this psalm it came into um at the right time. And when I was talking to Pastor Carlos about the message, he shared this psalm and um, it's just perfect. It's perfect. Another time that I felt like God was just showing me that I'm here. I got it all set up for you. Just sit with me. I'm sorry, guys. I thought I could do this. <laughs> Love you. In Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, where I can go and meet with God. These were words I would say to God. I would say, I just want to meet you face to face. I got questions. My tears have been my food day and night. What people say to me all day long, where is your God? And it's not even people. It's me sometimes. It's my questions. Where's your God? How did this happen? 
Why are you where you're at after 17 years of following God? It, was, it wasn't even just losing a friend. It was just wanting to be somewhere I, I was. I wanted to be somewhere further along. I, wanted, I want to be something else. I want to be who, who you made me to be. And sometimes you get caught up in all of these thoughts. Like I said, these are, these are lies from the enemy, and I know them. And I would hear them, where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts and joy of praise among the festive throng. Like that was me here with my flags. I was remembering. God was having me remember. And I felt like, why couldn't I be there again? Why couldn't I be up there with my flags again, worshiping you and praising you? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for he will, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, which is the holy place. In Jewish culture, there was a holy place. Deep calls to deep. And the roar of your waterfalls, all of your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Look at this. You guys are all providing for me. Water. How fitting. Nourishing your soul. And tissues. Nourishing for my nose. I say to God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy, by my enemy? I say by my enemy, by my words, by my thoughts, by the lies. Why am I oppressed by those things? And my bones suffer mortal agony, and my foes taunt me, saying to me all day, where is your God? My soul, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for, yet pray, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. And in the Passion Translation verse, the verse 11 says, and this is something that sticks with me. So I say to my soul, don't be discouraged. Don't be disturbed, for I know my God will break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise him all over again. Yes, he is my saving grace. So I say to my soul, here it is, guys. Encourage yourselves. I, this is what it reminded me. Think of all the times that God has come through for you. Think of all the things that you did do, and God is going to be there again. He is there. He's there in your mess. He's there when you hurt. He's there when you cry. That is the most amazing thing about our God, our personal God. There is no other God out there like him. His breakers will crash over you. I, I have this image that it's saying like God is going to crash over you over and over again, reminding you again and again how much he loves you personally, how he knows you by name, how he knows every hair on your head, how he knows every desire, how he knows every dream. 
and he is with you in the midst of it. And friends, there are so many different ways to nourish your soul with Jesus. There are so many ways. And I listed a a few of them. And the number one way, like we've just been doing, is the word of God. That is number one. Taking moments to read the word in a quiet place or a place where you can't be interrupted. So much scripture that I have shared today in reality about the word is food. Is not going to perish. This is the, the, what he's talking about. All the, all the verses that he's saying that take delight in this. This is not going to perish. These words, when memorized, will help you combat. We saw what Jesus did in the, in, in the desert. He used the word. So what makes us think that we don't need to use the word to fight the enemy, to fight the lies? This is what nourishes our souls. This is what keeps us full. This is what gets you out of the pit, the word. And someone Verses 2 and 3 says, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Friends, we go through seasons. We have winters. We have falls. We have springs. We have summers. But in these seasons, no matter what, your tree will not be bare. Your tree will not lack fruit because you are planted by the stream of water that is the word. It is a living word. It is an active word. It is water of word. It's a water that refreshes and nourishes over and over and over again. The same verse that you've been using as a sword to fight those battles. Today, it means one thing. And the next week or the next year or the next decade, it means something different. But it's, the still, it's still the same word. What piece of art can do that? What other God can do that? That his word can be a yes and an amen. It could be a no and a yes, a confirmation, or or a tell you to sit down. A correction. It is everything. It is food. It is sustenance. Again, they are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Another great way is fellowship. Meeting with like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ. I can't tell you the amount of times that this is, has saved me in my, crazy, in my crazy darkness. Talking to someone. Bringing it out loud. Bringing your dark thoughts to light. I'm just remembering a conversation that I was having with my husband. And again, preparing for this teaching, in the midst of preparing for this teaching, we're talking about this. And we're having a a moment where one of us had, you know, we were just like, I need prayer. So, and they, and we started talking about what are those thoughts that we were having. And it was, it dawned on me, these dark thoughts, it's so important for us to, to say these things out loud, because really at the end of the day, you realize how ridiculous these lies sound. 
we started talking about those intrusive thoughts. And we realized that sounds ridiculous. Because we said to one another, that's not you. That's not you. So we know that's a lie from the enemy. Bam, you pinpoint it. You're able to say it out loud. And now you realize it. And I had this image in my mind as if in the darkness you hear it breathing on you. And it's like, <sighs> and you think it's huge and you feel its claws on you. And, you're, and you feel it and you almost can't breathe. And, it, and it's frustrating. And then by talking to someone, it's as if you drag it into the spotlight. And you realize it's a pipsqueak. It's a snot-nosed pipsqueak. And he does, there's no power. It's like he's, those thoughts are like inches and you can squash it with your foot. That's what conversation does sometimes. We're all privy to it. We've all had those thoughts. But talking about it with somebody who believes in Christ, who knows the word, then you're able to really fight that thing. Fellowship is important by coming to church. This pandemic has scared a lot of us. A lot of us have stayed away from church. We stayed away from socialization because of this pandemic. And I get it, and I'm not downplaying any pandemic. But God, he's still moving. And he's still trying to do work on you. You think avoiding people is going gonna, is gonna to help in any way? If God was all about people... His ministry was all about people. He had people following him all the time. We can't ignore that. Another way is prayer and meditation. Having those simple moments with Jesus. I can relate to that. I remember before I got married, I used to do this thing called date night with Jesus. Sounds like a funny talk show. But really, this is what I would do. I, I had set up my room, I pushed my bed, I had set it up so that my bed was against the wall, so I had a big space in the middle, and I would clean up my room, and I would light a bunch of candles, and, and I'd just put music on, put my little system on it, and I would just worship, and me in the mood, and I loved it, and then I would just simply be quiet. I'd read my word, and I'd lay there, and just wait. And there was something so special about that. That was mine. I'm not saying that this is for, for everybody. But I think that this, these are the moments that, that you get to be quiet. We talk too much sometimes. We say too much that we regret. And, and these are the moments that I think that we can really get nourished. There's this one app that I really encourage you guys to download. It's called the 10... It's, a, it's called The Pause. And this thing made me remind, uh, remind me of, um, there's these psychologists that talk about the 10-minute miracle with your toddler. They say that if you spend 10 minutes with your toddler every day, that it fills their tank. And it kind of helps them with that unwanted behavior. That they don't act out as much. is because they've been noticed. They've had that moment with, with their parent, which they need. And I think of the pause. The app is called, just like that, the pause. And it's a gentleman that has, you know, nice, sweet music like this. Actually, nature music. And then he just talks saying, you know, let everything go. Give everything to Jesus. And those 
those pauses just feel so nice when you're able to maybe go into the bathroom at work and just play one minute. And sometimes I, 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 want, I want more. And the funny thing about the app is that you do a couple of one minutes and it'll unlocks a five minute one. And then it unlocks a 10 minute one. So it's like, it's, it's fun too in that sense. And you, then you want to go to the five minute because that one minute is just, it does fill. Maybe not enough, but if we just have maybe our 10 minute miracle with God, if we sat down, maybe worship is another way. Either singing or dancing or flagging is a great way to to fill your spirit. Nature walks. Nature in general, taking walks, hikes, or drives down to the beach and just sitting at the shore and and being there in in God's creation. Or even journaling. Maybe journaling is another way to fill that and nourish your soul. Simply writing about your thoughts. Maybe writing in the third person and encouraging yourself, reminding yourself, remember what God did for you, Ashley. Remember this and remember when he did that. That was awesome. And this and this. Maybe writing like that would help you. Reminding yourself constantly of what God did. Or maybe even just simply creative writing. Maybe that's your thing. And that's what nourishes. Writing in the perspective of God. Writing a song. Writing whatever. But there are so many ways to connect with God. Sharing a meal with him. Nourishing your soul. I think a key thing to remember in all of this, in nourishing your soul, is to remember. Remember all the times that he said who he was and showed you that what he's done, and first and foremost, what he did on the cross alone is a testimony in itself. It's what we stand on. It's our truth. It's why we sit here. It's why we talk. It's why I'm up here, really. I really want to go into this story. And I don't know. It's like another story that I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep it together. Because this is a story in the Bible that... Um, when I was preparing for the teaching, it came to my mind. And when I went back to read it, I said, well, God, why, why are you showing me this? I don't know how this fits. And I scratched it. And I remember through conversation with, a, with my friend that we had hung on to something about, like, oh, there's something about, like, going back, you know, going back to, to what he did in the beginning to be that, to let that be the reminder of, of how much he loves you and how that nourishes us. And in this, in this story, I'm just so stuck on how thoughtful God is, how thoughtful Jesus was, how intentional he was in his ministry, and how intentional he was in his relationships. See, sometimes I think we get caught up on that big picture that Jesus had work to do when he did his work, but he was a man, and he had feelings, and he had relationships with his disciples, and he loved them. So it's in John 21, verse 1 through 14. Now I'll preface this. Remember when Jesus called Peter? Jesus called Peter when he was out fishing. Because that's what he did. He was a fisherman. And Jesus saw him and asked him to get on his boat. He says, can I get on your boat? I want to 
I need to talk to these people. So he used the boat almost like a stage. And afterwards, you know, he was like, so where's your fish kind of thing? And he says, well, we've been working all night. Like, oh, no, I'm sorry. He says to him, like, hey, throw out your net. And Peter's like, come on, man. I've been fishing all night. I ain't getting nothing. Like, why are, you gonna, why are you messing with me? And Peter throws out his net. And sure enough, it's filled with fish. They could barely pull it out. And Peter is like, oh, this is the Messiah. And he falls on his face. And that was it. He followed Jesus for the rest. So when we come back to this part, Jesus has died. It's over. And maybe in their heads, right? I think as a human being, Peter must have felt, where are we going now? Like, we got work to do, but I don't think they had, they didn't have this Holy Spirit yet. Pentecost hadn't happened. And so I imagine how Peter felt. And we say, and we'll start off in um, John 21, verse 1. Keeping this in mind. If I could get it on the screen. Do we have a, a Bible? Got it? Okay. Bear with me, guys. That was my fault. <laughs> I'm supposed to have a Bible with me. So John 21, verse 1 through 14. I can't express to you how much this makes me remi- reminds me of how Jesus, how, how personal he is. And he says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to the disciples. After his death, with his nail-pierced hands, after all that was said and done, after following him for three years, by the Sea of Galilee, and happened this way. It says, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from, Can- from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going to go out to fish, Simon Peter told them. I just imagine him missing Jesus. Wanting to do the thing. When he first met him. But reminded him. And they were like, you know what? We'll go too. We'll go with you. Because maybe they felt the same way. Maybe they, they felt Jesus out there. Like, maybe they remembered him on the boat. Calming the sea. Maybe they remembered Stepping out, maybe Peter remembered stepping out on the boat. Jesus saying, come to me, Peter. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. They caught nothing again. Early in the morning, Jesus stood at the shore. But the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them. (laughs) 
think he's so funny. Friends, have you caught any fish? He knew that. No, they answered. He said, throw out your net on the right side of the bow and you'll find some. (laughs) I can't imagine what they were thinking in that moment. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, said to Peter, It's the Lord! (laughs) This is so familiar! He's done it again! Remember that one time that Jesus like was like at the shore and he said to me, like, throw out your net. And I was like, no way, dude. And it did it. But there was like a whole bunch of fish. And then they didn't recognize him. And now when that happened, they were like, bro, it's Jesus. It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped in the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish and they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals and there with the fish on it and some bread. Peter just was like, I gotta go, I gotta, I gotta see him. I know this. I know who that is. I've been, I've been missing you. I've been wanting you. I'm hungry. And there's Jesus. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Come on over. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was so full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples asked him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Must have not looked the same, but they knew who he was. And Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And did the same. And one translation, it says, no one said a word. I can't imagine what it was like that day. But I'll paint a picture for you. Here they are, the disciples, with Jesus sitting by the shore. And he just made a meal for them. And he takes the bread with his nail-pierced hands. And he cuts it for them. I feel like I'd lose myself in that moment. They said it would, no one said a word. It was silent. Can you imagine that moment with Jesus? This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Friends, what I want to tell you is that nourishing your soul sometimes is just remembering. And I feel like it's why it's so perfect to do communion with you today. And as we pass out the host, I want you guys to remember. Remember what he gave you. We sang the song last week about, you know, wanting to go back, take me back to my first love. It's for some of us here have been in church for years. 
And maybe you're feeling a bit parched. And you need to go back, back, all the way back to your first love. Remember what Jesus did for you in the beginning? Remember what he did for you in the middle? It's not over, and it'll never be over. Something that sticks out to me is about how they caught so many fish, and the net never tore. God wants to fill and fill and fill and fill you because you were made to be filled that way and you won't break. Everybody's ready. Oh, you guys are all ready. Wow, when did that happen? So I'm going to take your, take your little wafer, and I'm going to do this a little bit different. I'm not going to read the word to you, but I want this to be personal for you. Because when, we did, when they did communion on the Last Supper, when they were all together and they were sharing this meal, it was about fellowship. It was about communion. It was about being together. And he said, remember This is my body. It's going to be broken for you. So remember. Remember what Jesus did for you personally. Or maybe you've never known this. Maybe this is brand new for you. Maybe you don't understand that. But this is the invitation to the dinner party. Welcome. It's nice here. Not easy sometimes. But it's nice. It's warm and friendly. And he's kind. And he's gentle. And he corrects. And he's a father. He's everything you've always needed and never knew that you needed at the same time. His presence is sweet. His love is true. Take his body and remember. And you have, he had the cup of wine. This will be my blood, which I will pour out for you. The sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. The holy God, the alpha, the omega is holy. He could not be with our sin. He had to have wrath on us because of our sin. And he decided, how can I remedy this? How can I make this right? How can I get my people to be holy with me? Because I love them and I never want to be apart from them. I have to send myself the ultimate sacrifice. I have to embody myself. I have to send my son to die on the cross so that this blood could make them white as snow. 
No other God does this for you. No human does this for you. Nobody loves you like this. Nobody sacrifices like this. Even the love of a parent goes so far. There is no God like this. So take the blood and remember. Hallelujah. If you could just stand with me, I feel like we're on holy ground and I just want to, I just invite anyone, anyone, if you feel like you need, you need Jesus to fill you up right now, because this is such a perfect place. Church is such a perfect place. I can't tell you how many times coming to church has filled me up. I invite you to come to the front if you need it. Jesus, we thank you so much for those that have come forward. We thank you so much that you meet them where they're at, Father. We thank you so much that you set a table for them, Father. And you're here to share a meal with them. I thank you for these individuals up here, Father. You know exactly where they stand. You know what they need. You know where they're coming from. You know their past. You know their present. And you know their future. You know them by name, by middle name, by last name. You know them by nickname. You know every tear. You know every laugh. You know everything they regret and everything they wish for. I'm asking you now, Holy Spirit, to fill them, to fill them, to fill them. Holy Spirit, rain down your sweet presence on them right now. I have made you. I have formed you in your mother's womb, and I want you. You are mine, says the Lord. You are mine. Father, you are good. And we pray that this doesn't stop here. We pray that tonight, tomorrow, that we get connected to you, Holy Spirit, in a way that we cannot ignore, that we cannot leave, that we cannot say goodbye, or we cannot just leave the table as it is, we must partake, we must eat, we must drink of your cup, we must be with you, Father. We want to lay back and feel your breath. Just feel your breath. We want to take from your cup. We want to dance with you. We want to share life with you, Father. And we know that you want to do that too. That's why you're so good. Jesus knew that Peter needed that. Jesus knew that Peter needed to hear him again and see him again and see him do the same thing. He didn't tell Peter to get over it. No, he met him there. And he did exactly what he needed. He got him through. And then Peter, what did Peter do? He went on to spread the word of God. He became a forefather of our faith. 
Can you imagine what we can do? He knew Jesus. He knew Jesus personally, physically. We don't know him like that. We've never touched him physically. We've never touched the hem of his, of his garment. We don't know that Jesus that way. But how much more blessed are we? Because we don't, but we believe. So you are blessed. You are called according to his purpose. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for meeting us here. We needed this. We needed you and you nourished our soul and you, and you showed up and you did what you needed to do because you're God and you're not privy to us. You're not privy to human hands. You're, you don't do what we tell you to do. You do what you're meant to do and what you're supposed to do. You're a holy God, a righteous God, a perfect God. And I pray that we may come to know you more and more so that we can imitate you, so that we can walk and love and talk and be and eat and laugh and and breathe and cry just like you did here on earth, Father. Because what is this faith if we have, have you, if we don't have you, if we don't look like you and if we don't talk like you? Thank you, Jesus. And we pray all of this in the name of him, of his, the perfect name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friends. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.